Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome, everybody, to College Soccer Nation. I'm your host, Matt Mott. Uh, real excited uh, for our second-ever episode. We got some bunch of feedback on our first one we'll get to in a minute, but this episode, we've got uh, one of the country's finest coaches, and Brian Lee is going to join us uh, for part of it as an interview with him. And um, we have a bunch of fun stuff to get to for sure. So I want to bring in our always our you know knowledgeable co-host, the superstar of the show for sure, Chris Petroselli. Chris, how are you doing today? Well, Matt, I'm doing I'm doing good today, better than yesterday. Yesterday was um, was a tough day. It really started. Uh, Saturday night, I was all fired up. I was going to sit down and watch my buddy Matt and his Ole Miss Rebels play against Texas A&M, and uh, that didn't go How's so well. How'd that go for you? Yeah, that didn't go so well. Well, worse <laughs> for you than for me. But, yeah, no doubt. Uh, no and doubt. so then I said, okay, that's all right. We'll rebound. Sunday's a big day. We got a lot of games going on, a lot of things to watch. Uh, so Sunday will be a good day. So first thing I did, I turned on the University of Miami. My son's on the staff at Miami, and they went down two goals in the first 10 minutes um, and proceeded to – gets Matt. And then I said, okay, well, let me, let me click on the, uh, the Chelsea game. I'm a Chelsea fan. They're playing Liverpool and uh, with Kepa in goal, there's no chance. So they lose as well. So I flip, flip over to the Yankees game. They get hammered by the Red Sox. I turn on the Giants game. <laughs> they lose, right? Yeah. I turn on the Cowboys game. I go, oh, this is great. The Cowboys are getting destroyed. And somehow they come back and win. And the only satisfaction I got in the whole day was the Washington football team losing. <laughs> That's about all I got. Well, first of all, um, have you ever seen an onside kick like that? Seriously. Uh, that they, was they, had the the they had to grease the ball. They had to grease the ball. It was awful. Um yeah, some, something was up, but that was a crazy comeback for the Cowboys, unfortunately, for, for all of us. And then you lose in Saquon Barkley. That's unfortunate as well. He's done really well. So You're happy about that, aren't you? Maybe a little bit. You know, yeah. this is the funny thing. Like, right, if that was my – I mean, obviously, my Saturday night was not fun. Uh, my Sunday was was not as bad. But, it never, you know, again, whenever you wake up after loss, it's not fun. But you would be all over me if that was my weekend. I was quite nice to you, I feel like. I feel like I didn't send you any nasty texts. I didn't say, ha, 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 hee, 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 like what happened with the Giants or, or Chelsea losing. Because yeah, really, quite honestly, Chelsea and Liverpool – I, I, I'm not happy if either one of them wins, so I could care less, really. But uh, I, I was pretty nice to you, I, I quite, I, I would say. You weren't nice, okay? You weren't nice. You just didn't say anything. There's a difference. <laughs> well, one of the things about our first episode, Chris, and it was a smashing hit, I would have to say, with all the downloads Fantastic. we got. All, all the uh, feedback. Thousands of downloads. I yes. Mean, yeah. Yes, we really appreciate all of our diligent followers. But uh, one of the things was, was shout-outs. Like, we got hammered. Yeah. Over, we didn't give people enough shout outs. Yeah, the people were mad that they didn't get invited to be on the show or they weren't part of the show. We had, you know, 
your your boy BB just oh. about not being involved or something, right? And how how could we how could we say something about Rob and not him? And, yes, you know, yes. Mm-hmm. My son Nikki all over my case about well, how come I'm not on it and that kind of thing. And you know, I told him he's he's got to pass his classes before he gets to get on it. You know, and. Um, I don't know who else. Todd, Todd Yelton. Oh yeah, happy Todd Yelton was really mad. Yes, happy he was. The only one I didn't, you know, I expected to hear from our friend Jim Wayne. Mm, mm-hmm, wouldn't you think mm-hmm. he'd be the kind of guy who would be? Hundred percent. Very uh, hurt. He's probably still hurt. That's probably yeah, why. He's, that's he's going to smash on to our show at some <laughs> point, break in, and and have to talk. But we we will have to have him on at some point. That will be fantastic entertainment. Yeah, you know he he can have the olders and the youngers um, <laughs> you know, to talk about. So anyway, um, well, good. So uh, interesting week. Certainly, college soccer really got all all of the uh, leagues up and running as the SEC joined in this week, and and certainly had some uh, some good matches throughout the country. I felt like. Uh, uh, what did you see? What did you think? Maybe briefly on on some of the the powerhouses. Well, I spent a lot of time watching uh, the ACC, um, and they're clearly, you know, of the leagues playing. They are far and above uh, the best league with with uh, the most teams at, uh, of quality. Um, and you know, right right from the from the top. I mean, if I look at it from sort of top to bottom, North Carolina, Florida State are two fantastic teams. Really different styles. Um, you know. Florida State will pass you to death. North Carolina will run you over. Um, but two really, really talented teams and two teams, I think, that are going to fight right to the end. Um, for me, the next team is is probably Clemson. And Clemson had a really good a really good win uh, yesterday against against Virginia, uh, a three nothing win, and and they were good. And they've been good. They've been good from the beginning. Uh, Virginia with some injury issues and, you know, maybe, maybe not as, uh, not as dangerous as they were a year ago because, because of some injuries in midfield, still a lot of talent on the team and still a very, very good team. Um, and then Duke, which is just, I talked about them last week about how talented they were and how much I liked them, but they're a strange team for me. Um, <laughs> how about this stat? 11 of their last 20 games have gone to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. And all three games this year, overtime um but they do have my favorite player i will say this sophie jones mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. is a fantastic player she you know she's the only one who wears her hair down she's got those <laughs> curls all over the place and you know who her brother is who daniel jones really yeah the giants quarterback. Uh, yeah that makes that? some sense now i was wondering why you i mean i think she's a really good player too but i wondered that now it makes sense of course giants greatest of course. ever of um so I watched a lot of the Florida State game, right? And and I'm with you. And I watched the Carolina. You know, the Carolina game was in a downpour on, on I guess it yeah. was Thursday night um, in, in against Wake. And then the, the Florida State game, I mean, some of the quality of the finishes. I mean, Chuji sure. Zhao's, you know, 40-yarder. I mean, he didn't even start for him. I know. I know. Yeah. It's embarrassment of riches. We will talk yeah. to him about that next week, certainly, sure. about his, uh, his group. But, you know, on that goal, like the goal she scored from 40 yards or whatever it was, I kept looking to see if she looked up and looked at the keeper, and I never saw her in the replay. At what point did she look up and see the keeper was off the line, or or maybe she just realized it from a play earlier? But yeah. what quality? I mean, you can you can try and chip the keeper, but I mean, she kind of struck it. She hit it, was, hit it. perfect. 
Yes. You know, the yeah. other thing that stood out to me, Matt, uh, as I watched these game, and, and particularly I saw it in when Duke and, and Wake Forest played, and, and they played a 0-0 overtime game, and after last week playing a 4-3 overtime game. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was how miserable these games are for coaches. <laughs> like just how much torture there is for, you know, 110 minutes. And, and we saw that in Tony Deleuze's face or actions uh, <laughs> after they missed the penalty late in the game. Right, right? They missed sure. the penalty late in the game and he kicks kind of a crate and you could see it in his, in his face. And actually, unfortunately for him, his foot gets stuck yeah. in the crate. Yeah. yeah. He's become like a, a uh, Twitter hero now, you know, yeah, internet sensation. Yeah, yeah for sure. But you know, yeah. just how miserable it is, it, it is for coaches. I mean, the, the, uh, for all of us, we love training, but the games kind of suck, you know, and, <laughs> And and think about I, I'm I'm sure um, Saturday night. How about you? What was your night like Saturday night after your game? Yeah, we you know frustrated for sure and, and disappointed, um, you know because we got it wrong. I think and and then A and M was really good. You give credit to A and M for sure. They they were very good on the night all over the field. But you come in right and you uh, you you break down the film with your staff and you rewind and fast forward and re rewind and, and see it again and you you just you know it's it's tough right and then you go home and I go home and now it's got the tv version so I watch some of that uh and then I try and go to sleep but at three in the morning I'm up watching the game again and it's those little things that that people don't see how how stressful it really is um you know and then I, I wake up in the morning and I call my you know at four o'clock in the morning I sent all my assistants uh an email about what about this and what about that what should we do here and what should we do there you know, and then I, I try and get a little sleep and get up at seven maybe. And, and I, you know, put it on again and I, and I start to watch it and think about what we need to do for the next opponent and, and all those things. But it, it is, it is tough. Even when you win, it's, it's a very similar um, process you go through, right? You watch it with your staff after you break it down, you go home and you, it's all you're thinking about. You may call a buddy or two and, and talk about their games. You know, that's the one kind of rough part for me is, no, no, you guys are playing. Yeah. <laughs> Friends are playing, so well, we're sitting I don't back get the and enjoying relief. ourselves. Yeah, they, yeah, they're just telling me what we should do different, right? I've yeah. got five uh, five volunteer coaches right now, uh, no, but anyway, no, it's it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, hard. listen, let's move on. Um, very excited. We have our first ever guest, and and rightfully so. We uh, we are going to bring in uh, Brian Lee, who is currently the head coach of Rice University. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But um, he also is um, in charge of the United Soccer Coaches. Brian, are you there? Why don't you tell me what this (laughs) title is? Because I really, it's too long for me to understand, honestly. Well, you know, what I I really think the best way to, you know, summarize what the job is, is in in our circles, I'm just a really big deal, Matt. (laughs) <laughs> yes, very true. No true words will be said on this podcast tonight. You're right. Between the three of us, no doubt. <laughs> you are a big deal. Right. That's that's right. So what is uh, the title? Um, you know, I'm not totally sure. United Soccer Coaches, Chair of the Division One Coaches is the official title. Women's coaches. Women's coaches, yes. Yeah. Although we work in close uh conjunction with the men as well. Um and it's a job that that I've had here going on seven, eight months just prior to COVID and, and with the added responsibilities from COVID, it, it really has become quite a task, but something that's fun and enjoyable and 
hopefully makes a difference in our profession short and long term. Okay, so one thing we know is you have committees and task force and working groups and all of these different names for these different um, groups you have, right? So why don't you explain kind of to what are some of the the committees that you're working on that, and what those committees kind of are tasked with? Well, really probably the best way to talk about it is it, it, we're trying to get consensus and uh, collaboration between 340 plus division one programs that are all so different and their agendas are so different and the goals of their programs have very little in common. So traditionally for me as a coaching group, we've gotten very little done uh, that's tangible to help our sport grow. And, you know, we've seen other sports, softball, volleyball, women's basketball, especially really, um, create a bigger profile for themselves. So when we took over the job, my, my main objective is to start to create consensus, get, get us involved, more involved uh, with as many of the segments of that 340-plus coaching community um, with a goal of being able to really accomplish some things. So obviously that's way too big a job for one guy. So we take different topics, recruiting, playing calendar, Anything that could possibly come up, we, we get someone in charge of it. They put together a little committee that is, has good representation from across the country and across different levels of programs and uh, try and get some things done. So what I got to tell you, it sounds, it sounds thrilling, Brian. It sounds yeah, no. thrilling. And let me get this straight just so I, I, I have this right. So you put together th- these committees and all of these people do all of this work, right? The work, Yes. And then they report back to you. And then you take that information and say, look at these ideas I came up with. And <laughs> these are the things that we should do. And man, I, I really, I'm really nailing this thing down. Is that how it goes? Well, it, it's not far off. I, you know, I've been working with you guys for some time in different capacities. So I really feel like I've learned from the best. And uh, one of the, the uh, best attributes probably of both of you, specifically maybe Coach Mott, is his ability to delegate uh, any of the work involved. Yes. So th- that's the goal. Uh, and, and really, it, it's the way it operates. But the, the big picture of it is so we can get things done. And we get people really passionate about it, each individual topic and, and try and make a difference. So you've delegated all of this stuff, as you'd like to say, but somehow I became the chairman of a couple of the different committees. So you delegated it to me, although I'm supposed to be the chief delegator. But besides that, um, I, do, I do think the quote I used for one of my committees was boots on the ground. Because I was I the boots on the ground and you were the, yeah. you know, 30,000 feet view of, of whatever it was we were doing. But anyway, talk, Brian, talk us through just a couple of the NCAA changes that are coming up uh, with the, the spring and, and, and what we're looking at as we go into finish up the fall and get to the spring. Yeah, well, really shockingly, the big ones for me uh, from a student athlete perspective is getting that extra year. And I think you guys talked about that last week for all of the student athletes take that pressure off. But I think all of us were shocked in the end that the NCAA came through with a uh, 10 to 11 week spring calendar where we'll be able to kick off games on February 1st. If you're in a location that can play, uh, run all the way through late April where we'll have an NCAA tournament that will look a lot like it has in the past, you know, and for student athletes and for the coaches who lost their seasons in the fall, uh, that's probably the net effect biggest things that have been accomplished. And, uh, and we're excited about that, that actually happening. And really from an NCAA perspective, shocked is probably a better word 
that they came through. How how many how many of those changes did your committee have anything to do with? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do think Rob Kehoe does a great job representing. He does, yeah, he does. As yeah. the NCAA lobbyist, and uh, he spends a lot of time getting um, collaboration with the other sports as well. So volleyball coaching committees and softball and and all these different entities. So hopefully we had a little part. And one of the other things we're trying to do is collaborate with our men as well. So we've spent a lot of time with Ray Reed, who's in head of the of the men's D1 coaches and, and tried to have a unified men's and women's soccer voice instead of each of us fighting for our own things. You know what uh, my takeaway from all of that was, Matt? What's that? He listened to our show. He did. He did. He did did mention it. He did mention. Gave us a a plug. Anytime you can mention CSN, Brian, when you're out and about with these committees, you know, and these task forces and these blue ribbon, whatever it is you have, um, you know, make sure you tell them to listen. Give us, give us a follow. Okay. This is going to be the go-to place for all college soccer news. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are just so, so everyone understands we are starting a new um, segment every week will be five minutes with B Lee, five good minutes with B Lee. So Brian will be on each one of our episodes for, for five minutes. This one, we want to go a little longer. So, so people could understand who he is. Um, Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about some, our experiences together, because I think the three of us have, have spent a good amount of time together and in some interesting uh, environments. So um, I want to talk about our trips to Costa Rica a little bit. And uh, I just want to let me let me set it up real quick. Um, I was um, again trying to come up with these titles, but I think I was the head coach for the region three girls Olympic development program. So as part of the role I had to assign coaches to U13 to U18 teams. And I had Brian coaching a team and Matt coaching a team. And we always had a team of, of like U16s that would go on these trips to Costa Rica. And after the first couple of years, these two guys had heard about how great the trips were. And they were like, we want to coach the under-16 team. We want to go to Costa Rica, right? So I give them the opportunity to go. Um, and so we spent, we went three times. We we went three years and, and um and according to Matt, we won the tournament all three years. We really only won it once, but let him continue to think that. Um, but Brian, just talk about your some of your recollections of, of your time um, in Costa Rica and maybe also in, in Montevallo, Alabama, where we used to used to have uh, camp during the summer. Uh, just some some thoughts about about those days. Uh, well, really, I thought it. My first thought with that that stuff is always. It, it was a wonderful opportunity for coaching education. That's real life. Some might say boots on the ground, coaching education. They might. They might. <laughs> uh, and from Montevallo, which had its moments where it was a great time and had its moments where it was not so much fun, um, grinding it out in the middle of the Alabama heat. And then uh, that opportunity to take those foreign trips where – uh, you get to pedal your coaching wares against different types of teams. You get to coach new players, good players. You get to get to know on the field other coaches and, and learn from them. Um, you know, that's that's uh, been a huge part of my own personal coaching growth over the years. Uh, and then obviously there's some good times. You know, there's many a memory of training in Costa Rica with you and I splitting the group on the field 
training, sweating, giving the kids everything we've got. Have a look, turn around. Hey, anyone see Matt? Where, where's Matt? And you, you never really knew. He might be chatting up the bus driver. There was an occasion when he was at the top of the stadium having a good view of not practice, the city of San Jose. Nice little overview. Um, but really, bottom line, those were great times. And, yeah. And, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's time for me to comment on this. Now, first of all, let's set the record straight. Montevallo, we did have some good times with, without question, but we... Why don't you talk about the beaver, the, uh, the, the raccoon? No, no, that the raccoon, no, no. We'll, we'll talk about first <laughs> that Brian talked about the Alabama heat. Well, when you get to the status level that Brian and I got to, you get a golf cart. So you ride around in a golf cart where you can drive to the local gas station in the golf cart and get any kind of drink you want. So it always was full of Diet Coke, which was wonderful. And then Brian and I would drive around. The only issue I had is Brian would keep getting out of the cart and walking to go talk to coaches and do all these things while I was comfortably in the cart. And so he was working. A way to pick him up. Yeah, yeah. But here's the issue. He was always the head coach. I was just the assistant coach. So, again, boots on the ground. I had to do everything, right? Yeah. I had to make sure teams were where they're supposed to and all of the stuff. But let me be clear on Costa Rica. So Chris comes to Costa Rica as an administrator, Although somehow during all the training sessions, he had to jump in and coach teams. And that's because you were at the top of the stadium. Well, because you were coaching the team. (laughs) And these poor kids, like anybody that knows coaching knows that you don't want um, to stop and start too often. But these poor kids, they would kick one pass one way and Brian would stop them. Then they'd kick a pass another way and Chris would stop them. It was so god-awful. I had to go to the top of the stadium because I couldn't take it anymore down on the field. And I was up there to get an overall view. You know, it's a great view from up top. I want to make sure the shape was right, positioning was right, and all those important coaches' points that we had to do in Costa Rica. And I might have been checking to where I could find a Diet Coke. Yeah. But uh, so the question I have for you, Matt, uh, are you saying that you were involved in the coaching or you weren't involved in the coaching? Because when you tell these stories, you always talk about how the team won all of the time. But now you're talking about how you didn't really do any of the coaching. Oh, no, I, I was in charge of the goalkeepers, of course. And I, uh, as I yeah. recall, I don't think we gave up a goal in three years. Yeah, probably I not. don't think there was it's one not. goal probably given up not. in three years. No, we were so. undefeated. But, uh, seriously, tell us the story about the raccoon that came to visit you in Montevallo. <laughs> yes, uh, Gary Butte and Kenny White were there when you – this was before Brian. And I, um, I went down to the restaurant that night, I guess you'd call it a restaurant bar. And I came back at about 11 o'clock, and I opened up my door, and I looked on my bed, and there was a white – the scariest looking creature you've ever seen, a white raccoon, if you've ever seen one. And he was sitting on my bed under my covers and he was staring at me. I was on the phone with my wife at the time and I was scared to death. And I couldn't tell if it was real or fake because it looked as real as it could be. And I threw my keys at it and it didn't move. And then I threw something else that didn't move and I went, it was fake, but oh God, it was, I was scared to death. That was a, <laughs> Terrible, that was terrible a prank they did. <laughs> I'm you, so they had they found some stuffed raccoon in, in uh, like a real one, like a petrified or whatever you call it, right? In Montevallo, and they stuck it in my bed. <laughs> good friends, good, good yeah, friends. good guys. All right, let's get back to soccer here. Yep, Brian. Uh, you know, you spent how many years at LSU? I don't know, 14, 15. Okay. I lose track of details. More than one or two, <laughs> right? More than one or two. So you have a good uh, handle on on what the SEC is all about and, and the teams in the SEC, and I'm sure you've seen some of them play so far. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, your thoughts on, on what the SEC looks like at this point? 
Yeah, well, you know, 14, 15 years, I saw quite a metamorphosis in the league. When I first got there, whatever, early, um, when would that have been? Early 2000s, the league was just growing and uh, maybe 10 years in. And it, I, I really thought it progressed a ton during my time in the league. Um, so it's come a long way, you know, big picture. It's as fun a league to be a student athlete in as, as there is in America. There's so much pomp and circumstance around the games. The kids get really enthusiastic, especially for the conference games and you get the little kicker with football. So it's always fun week to week. Um, but it's such an interesting year with us all being able to watch all the games, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's not that many games going. I feel like I'm an SEC expert. I'm an ACC expert. I've seen plenty of big 12 and I've seen like each team play twice max. Yeah. Uh, but you know, from the initial looks, it surely looks like a tiered out league this year. Some of the teams look very good. Some of the teams a little rough around the edges. I, you know, Matt could certainly speak to it better now, but I thought A&M looked great. You know, Me too. Phil Stevenson Me too. had those guys ready to roll, and G and the boys, they, they've done a, a great job for this sprint because it's like the rest of the leagues. you got eight games. Holy cow, what a, what a season it's going to be. It's not a season, it's a sprint. Uh, and the ability to come out of the gates fast and – you know, but some of the games on the on the flip, some of the games they were unlucky that the ACC played on Thursday, and then the SEC started Friday, Saturday, and as you spoke of at the beginning, you could see the gap in the elite teams in the league. Uh, I thought it, there was a big difference between the two. Um, so we'll see how it shapes from here. But at, at the top, I thought Texas A&M was excellent. Um, I thought Arkansas and Vandy got the job done in their openers against, you know, arguably a couple of the teams that would be fighting to finish top 10 in Kentucky and, and LSU. And and then that mid-pack maybe started to take shape with uh, Alabama looking good, I thought, in the, in the 3-1 win over Tennessee. Um, Georgia, what a great result for Billy Lassane, the 1-0 over South Carolina. And, and I thought it was a game – George is one of my standout teams. I thought for 80 minutes they were in control of that game. Uh, and that's two programs that have probably performed on very different levels for the last couple of years. But hopefully that's a big step forward for Georgia uh, to open up that strongly. And then uh, we'll see where it goes from here. What do you think, Chris? With Alabama. Yeah, no, I was impressed with Alabama as well. Um, and, again, I thought A&M was very good against uh, – uh, against Matt's group, um, and and uh, like I said, Alabama for sure. Um, Arkansas, uh, you know, uh, for me, it's a hard it's a hard one because you know I, I'm not their styles very 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 different from my style. Um, they've obviously they've had great success, um, but I, I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't totally impressed with with them. I, I, I thought um, I, I was actually. A little surprised with LSU. I, I thought they they played better than than what I thought they would. Um, you know, some of those teams towards the middle, or or maybe, you know, maybe looking like back part of the middle, the Auburn and Mississippi State and Tennessee. Um, I thought it was a bit of struggle for those teams to to produce much going forward. Um, you know, South Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina. 90% of the time they win one nil, you know, but 
you know, this time they get, they got caught on the other end of it. You know, we've yet to see Florida, uh, to see what, what they're like. Um, so yes, but there is a gap, you know, the top five teams in the ACC, um, I think all, all probably would, would, would win, would win the league, would, would win the, uh, the SEC. Um, I just think the, at the top of the ACC, this is really, really loaded. Um, and, but, but again, that like playing in the, in the SEC is when you watch the games and you see all the stuff going on and all the, all the things around campuses and you know, what's going on on the weekends with football and, and things like that. It was just wonderful experiences. Yeah. And I was interested. I thought, while I thought the first half of Auburn, Mississippi State was shocking, I thought the second half they got a lot better. Um, but just as importantly to me is, is the environment you could see around the Auburn game with the people on the hill watching. Yeah. And even though they're socially distanced, the crowd looked into it. You know, for a COVID season, there was still a little bit of pop and circumstance around their game that, that allowed it to pop like a regular SEC fall game would you know and for me though in a I'd like to see AM have a little round robin with Duke Clemson right now and and take that and see if they could pop up into the you know Carolina Florida State from there but they're they're the only one who showed you know where the, the you know that that kind of turn as a possibility to me probably I'd be okay if they moved AM into the ACC <laughs> and if they, if they played Duke it's probably going overtime so <laughs> as long as you didn't replace them with Florida State yeah. yeah, yeah, true. In the SEC. Yeah. Okay, Brian, listen, we want to uh, thank you for coming on CSN, um, collegesoccernation.com. Um, appreciate your words, appreciate your work. Again, we'll check in with you. I, I don't know, five good minutes is going to be enough, Chris. He's not afraid to bang on a little bit. <laughs> I started to fall asleep, if I'm being honest, in part of it. Uh, wow. I had to, you know, I, I, I have some, you know, I struggle a little bit with the attention. And, uh, and I was checking emails and, and I was like, God, he's still going. My God, enough already. This is our show, not his. He's trying to get on our show, Chris. If, if you hang out with Matt long enough, when you, when you get your chance to talk, you really have to take advantage. That's a good point, Brian. That is a yes. good point. But anyway, on, Brian, on your way out, Brian, if that's even possible, <laughs> um, why don't you take him just a minute or so, please, because <laughs> we do have to wrap this up at some point, and, uh, and talk a little bit about rice. I know, uh, you know, you're in your second year, excited to be there. Uh, give us some, give us some love on rice. Yeah. Well, it's a place I love that fits, you know, you always, when we tell the student athletes, find a place that you really fit for college, for your college choice. It's the same as coaches and rice is a place that really fits with me. Um, I love the student athletes and they're true student athletes. You know, they're there to be at a top 20 academic school, uh, but we've all got a big vision for the program. You know, I think if you look at college women's soccer over the years, the private high top 20 academic teams or schools are the best programs in the country. And they're the ones that dot the final fours, whether it's Stanford who's been there for years or Georgetown jumping in there fairly recently. It's, it's a type of environment where student athletes want to go to play women's soccer. So I'm super excited about what we can accomplish uh, but we don't get to see till February, Matt. Right now, we get to just watch the Ole Miss Rebels and the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC play. Well, thank you very much for that. As always, obviously, Rice is the greatest ever, just like yep. yourself. Um, Thanks, we, Brian. We, yes, we know I it's true. I appreciate but- it, guys. Love the show. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Please download, tell all your friends, CSN <laughs> is where it's at, and we'll catch up with you next week. All right, see you, boys. See you. All right, Chris, we can uh, kind of start to to put a little wrap on this. What um, what do you think uh, about big games next week? Uh, this week look, coming up, I guess. Yeah, looking at it, I looked at it a little bit today. I think in the Big Twelve, the, the big game is uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Those are two teams that you know both have won won the league here recently, and and uh, two teams at the top, and and probably a game that's going to go a long way to determining who who ends up winning that league. Um, in the SEC, it looks like on Sunday, uh, Florida debuts against Georgia coming off the big win against um, South Carolina. So that all of a sudden looks like uh, a pretty important game. And, you know, as, as Brian mentioned earlier, an eight-game sprint, every game is important. You know, there's there's only 24 points out there. So, you know, every, every point's important. So that looks like I would a say who, who who at Georgia made the uh, schedulers matter? They kicked off with South Carolina and Florida. How about that's that? A, that's yeah. a tough uh, out of the gate for sure. But, yeah. And a chance to be an 0, 0, uh, 2-0. Yeah, absolutely. Point. Absolutely. And then I well, think the you know the the best game of the weekend is is probably Duke in North Carolina, and you know, again, what what do we think will happen there? Yeah, and that's a non conference game, right? So that one doesn't right. necessarily count towards the league standing, but uh, you know, just like Duke played Wake a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe last week in a non conference, and they played again this weekend. The same thing with Duke in North Carolina. You know, they're just trying to get games in. I think we all want to play as many games as we can, and they have the ability to do that being so close. But it, I think that would be great. I mean, the, the one thing about Duke is they're really played in now. They've had all these overtime games, yeah, so they sure. they played in. And, and I think we saw this week Carolina's got great quality, so I uh, expect it to be a good game, no question about it. Yeah. Hey, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was mm-hmm. um, I think it might be good for you to give everybody a – a little bit of a look into what it took to get to the point where your team could play a game. Because I know, you know, we're all going through these protocols and, you know, these uh, medical issues and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously started back in March. Um, But why don't you sort of take us through, you know, what you guys went through uh, leading up to your, your first match. Yeah, so it was interesting, right? My team came back June, I think I've mentioned this, June 2nd. We started preseason on August, I think it was 4th, uh, like everybody else did, right? And, and at that point, we didn't know if we were playing. We, we didn't know if we were going to have games. Well, the only thing we knew is we could train, and the SEC was talking about having games. So that first couple of weeks was trying to be somewhat similar to uh, to preseason. Uh, you know, we didn't have a ton of two-a-days or anything like that, but it was more like getting them in try and get them played in, have a lot of technical work and, and just get them back playing soccer. Um, so we did, you know, a bunch of that for the first few weeks. Well, then the SEC said, okay, we're going to play. But at this point still, we don't know who our opponent is. So that's really hard to start pre- preparing. And the other thing you're fighting and we were fighting was COVID. Um, we had a couple guys out, a couple guys in quarantine. So you never, you know, before last Monday was the first time I had my whole team at practice. So, again, it's hard to put groups together, but we started to just kind of head in that direction, getting excited about, okay, there's a plan for us to play. So then about two weeks out, we knew we were going to play Texas A&M. So now we had to start to prepare for them with the idea that, okay, we've got to make sure we have our top 11 
And then we've got to make sure um, we're getting ready for the Aggies, but we don't know anything about the Aggies. They lost a bunch. Um, they, uh, they, you know, we did all the research we possibly could to try and figure out the system and took the players and we tried to figure out where they go and, and that stuff. So the staff worked really hard, you know, Rob and, and, and BB and Jess um, did just a great job of trying to figure them out. And in the end we got it wrong um, because we didn't know, but, so we, we, we spent a lot of time in them, but now the team, we got to get the top 11, but the whole time, Chris, you're worried about every time we test someone going to pop on the, on the COVID. So you have to maybe train more players than you normally would uh, because you don't know who's going to be available and it's still going on. You know, we just tested again today uh, yeah. trying to get ready for next week. And so that training was interesting. Our periodization that we have is, was very um, structured towards knowing that we were going to play on that Saturday. So kind of gearing up and, you know, we had an unloading week and we had some loading weeks and looking at the volume and intensity and in the weight room. So all those things were kind of in play, trying to get us prepared. I think we were prepared as we could have been for the game on, uh, on Saturday. Um, but A&M came in and they just kind of ran us over, uh, played a system that we weren't prepared for and, and we'll learn from it. It's great. We've got film now on another opponent uh, you know, it's just so hard when you're playing each other. The one thing we did do is did inner squads every week, once a week to try and replicate a game. Um, so that was, I think, helpful. But I think we, we kind of ran into a buzzsaw on, on Saturday night. Yeah, and I will I will say this to you. Uh, well, you know, you say you say you got it wrong. And, and, and when you, you know, maybe on the day you feel your tactics, tactics weren't perfect or, or whatever it was. But you got it right because you played. You know, yeah. when you were able to get through all of these different steps along the way um, and you, and your kids obviously handled themselves very well to get to this point. And, and I think for, for your program overall, um, anybody who gets a chance to play, you're getting it right. Cause this is, this is not easy. It is not yeah. easy what we're all going through and, and, you know, getting to a game is, is difficult for sure. Oh, I appreciate it, Chris. It was, I mean, the idea that we had everybody, available everybody that was that we had a few few knocks but everybody that was available from a COVID standpoint was great the idea that we had you know over 250 fans in the stands and and you know like like Brian and you were talking about there is some pomp and circumstance about SEC play which is really great um and and it it did feel like a game it did it absolutely did um it's stressful like we talked about the beginning as it was but good to be back okay um let's go with uh, our power five this week what do you think about that Sounds good. Who's going so first? I'm going to go first. Well, we're going to go one at a time, okay? Okay. So our power five this week is Bruce Springsteen's best song. So we're going to go from five down to one. Uh, each of us, it's our own opinion, right? Nobody's wrong, but my list is probably the right one. Uh, Yours list, no. <laughs> <laughs> we both are huge Springsteen fans. I started really in when the Rising album came out. That was my first concert. Since then, I've been absolutely addicted to, to his music. Um, I listen to Street Radio all the time. Chris, of course, from New Jersey, probably started listening to him in the 50s. Um, you know, so, well, he, I think, he, I think, and we may see this on these lists. I'm not sure. Cause I don't know your list, but you know, I am certainly a, a big Bruce fan and, and, uh, more of a fan of Bruce as a rocker than I am as a pop star. Um, but that's a little I, harsh. There was a good, uh, a good uh, article in Rolling Stone that just came out. He's talking about a new album that's coming out, uh, yes. in, in October. And one of the things he talks about is, um, this album brings the the band back into play, and and even Steve Van Zant had said that 
Bruce was telling them to play more like the E Street Band, where for the last 20 years or so, he's been telling them to play less like the E Street Band. So this sounds like it, it, it'll be an enjoyable album when it comes out. October 23rd, it drops, just FYI. I've already, I've already pre-purchased, if you're wondering. Um, no, no question about it. Okay, so my first song, Tougher Than The Rest. Great song, great ballad. We used it, actually. I, I have a theme for our team every year. The girls actually come up with it. This year in 2015, they kind of sucked up to me, and they uh, they used that. They found a Bruce song that they thought I would like, and we went with that. So, actually, Jess Hiskey and Georgia Russell, my director of ops, were on that team, came up with it. Brilliant. Great song. Tougher than the rest, number five for me. And the band's not involved in that one, so uh, it, it doesn't do it for me. You know, um, Rosalita. Yeah, my number five. a little overrated. I got to be honest. I, I, I'm not a huge, I like it. I like it. I'll listen to it. It's but one I, of the most fun songs that he does. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, um, what's the song? Waiting on a Sunny Day. I can't stand yeah. that song. It's the only song he has that I do not like. And it, all the kids sing it and it's just, I, oh, trust me. Yeah, you are Rosalie a grumpy old man. <laughs> all right. Number four for me, Jungle Land. Classic. It's in my list. Strong, powerful. It's in my last. Okay, it's good, in my list, good. but it's not number there. Number four for me. Okay, number you're four, number four. Badlands. Ooh, that that was hard not to get that in my list. Love the song. Grace, and he always plays it early in the yeah. concerts. You know, the yeah. concerts are just fantastic. I recommend anybody to go to their concert, his concerts anytime, the, the, the band's concert. All right, number three for me, Never Surrender. Matt, What? <laughs> It's a great song. Powerful, moving, strong, great guitar solo in the middle. Fantastic song. Oh, my God. <laughs> number three, Jungle Land. Okay. Yeah, we've been through that. All right. Yeah. Number two for me. Yeah. The River. <sighs> I mean, I, you might, uh, the river It'll might get in the top ten somewhere, right? It might get yeah. in the top ten somewhere. It might. It might. But. Number two, easy. Number, Number two? two? If it's on, I'm listening to the whole thing. When he has the one where he does the intro about his dad and going to the to you know, going to the uh physical for the service. I mean, I bring tears to your eyes, Chris. It's freaking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant song. Number two. Okay. Promised land. Uh I do like that. Your yours is way too fluffy. Way too fluffy. fluffy. Yeah, it's, it's what do you mean fluffy? It's just so mainstream. Everybody's heard of every song. Blah blah blah. blah, I, it, blah. it wasn't. It wasn't to try to find, you know, the the five least fluffy songs, right? <laughs> was yours? Did you take yours off Rolling Stones top ten or something? No, God, that's what it sounds like. All right, you're, my last you're song. not gonna like my number one. <laughs> <laughs> my last song, my number one song, Bruce Springsteen, my favorite song without question, Land of Hope and Dreams. Matt, what the heck? <laughs> this is my personal list. Okay, my first of all, list. first of all, I didn't put Born to Run on, okay? I didn't either. I didn't either. And we both probably should be shot for not having Born to Run on. And most, most Springsteen fans would be pissed. But listen, I think this is my list. If I'm putting a playlist together, this is my Bruce Springsteen song. Land of Hope and Dreams is it's so moving. It's unbelievable. Listen to the words, the lyrics, Chris. I've heard it, Matt. <laughs> I want me to sing some? No, but my number one was Thunder Road. Of course. 
Of course. That's this, not a good you, song? That, that's not a good song. <laughs> it's a good song, but did you have to go like, I mean, those are all so popular. I, I went off the. I mean, the and every, those are all songs where Bruce Springsteen is a rock star. Okay. That you, you're bringing up like, you, you know, you're like Bruce Springsteen wants to be Bob Dylan kind of thing. Right? No, Bruce, those songs for me move me, Chris. They move me. They brought me to another place. So I got a, just a couple. I wish I wanna, they would take you somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple quick little uh, um, um, honorable mention songs. Okay. Radio Nowhere. That's okay. Very good song. Very That's good okay. song. Yeah. That's okay. And then the song that brought me, it brought me to Bruce was The Rising. Yeah, the rest nine eleven, really good song. So, um, well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, um, certainly, a uh, will be the first of many top fives we do that we won't agree on. We'll argue, but clearly, my list is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, let's give me uh, give me a Yankees update, Chris. Oh, fantastic! I mean, the last week they went eight and one. This last week, I think in the middle of the week they played three games in a row where they hit six home runs in each game, and they were, you know, they were the Bronx Bombers again. And, you know, Stanton Judge back in the lineup and clinched the postseason berth. Um, they did lose on Sunday to the Red Sox, but you know what? They're 13 and two in their last 15 against the Red Sox. So any win against the Red Sox is a great win, uh, but 13 and two has been, been fantastic. Um, so playoffs start next week, a, a week from today. So I think they spend this week trying to get their, uh, their pitching rotation sorted out so uh, Garrett Cole can can lead off in, in the first round of the playoffs and uh, looking like maybe the twins in the first round of the playoffs. So they beat all of the time. And then um, I feel I know, they always uh, play them in the playoffs, always yeah, play them in the playoffs. And, it's amazing. And, 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 and smash them every year. And uh, maybe the Rays along the way, but um, I'm thinking the Rays are going to choke at some point. And I know Brian's listening and won't agree with me, but I think the Rays will choke at some point. And uh, we'll see the Yankees and the Dodgers in the world series. And I'm a little concerned about the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, I like it though. Okay, uh, real quick, barbecue recipe of the week. I know what you got. Been what you got for on us? This. We are going with uh, um, parboiled beer brats, which is this recipe I got from Scott Hoppe, Karen Hoppe's husband, the coach at Auburn back in the day when I was there. He is from Wisconsin. He is a Packers. Uh, season ticket holder and obviously they do great cookouts there at Packers games when it's freezing so what you want to do is you want to get um, uh, Johnsonville brats uh, just regular original take them put them in a, a, a pot add in whatever beer you want doesn't really matter the type of beer probably the cheapest beer you have bring the beer to a boil let the brats parboil in there for probably four or five minutes after it starts boiling Take them out. They're going to look really kind of nasty and gray, but you stick them on the grill, grill them up both sides, take them off, add your favorite mustard, your favorite roll. I would say heat up the roll, and uh, and you're going to have a fantastic brat. I Trust me, it's the best way to do brats. Parboil them, beer, um, take them out, and uh, and you'll you'll thank me later about that. You can send me an email thanking me if you want at uh, collegesoccernation.com. Our emails are on the, on the end there. So listen, uh, last thing, um, check out CyberGuy. And that's C-Y-B-U-R, Guy, Cyber Guy. Uh, it's got a new podcast out, DJM Productions. We want to thank our producer for sure. Thank everybody that listens. We'll come back next week with a third one. It's funny, you know, Chris said 
uh, I said something about maybe our fifth or sixth episodes. He said he hopes we get there. So please keep uh, downloading and listening. Uh, CSN is uh, coming at you strong each week on Mondays. Uh, thanks again for listening. Chris, anything else? Yeah, Mark Krikorian next week. He's he's lined up for next week. We'll have Mark Krikorian on from Florida State. Uh, I guarantee you he won't bang on like Brian did. So <laughs> excited to have him on for sure. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at chris at collegesoccernation.com or matt at collegesoccernation.com. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and produced by Darren Mott.